Hey, I'm Emery Parker, interactive editor with The Post and Courier, here each week with my co-host, Brooks Brunson. Hi, friends. To discuss the forces shaping the Palmetto State and provide the context that gives it meaning. This is Understand South Carolina. In today's episode, we're joined by coastal and environmental reporter Chloe Johnson to talk about something that's on everyone's minds right now, hurricane season. Hey, guys, it's great to be back. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so South Carolina has seen major flooding impacts from storms in the last four seasons consecutively. So, Chloe, can you start us off by sort of explaining what the experts are predicting for this year? Yeah, so the Federal Climate Prediction Center just released its forecast for the 2019 hurricane season, which runs from the beginning of June all the way through November. They are expecting a quote-unquote normal or average season, um, which is... A tricky designation because, you know, all it really takes is one bad storm to kind of ruin your year. But um, I mean, honestly, yeah, their uh, prediction is that there will be between nine and 15 named storms. So that includes tropical storms. Eight are supposed to actually be hurricanes and two to four of those could become major hurricanes. A major hurricane is a Category 3 storm or above, and those are the most destructive storms that we tend to worry the most about. Am I right? When when Hurricane Florence hit North Carolina, was that a, didn't it hit it as a Category 2? I think it actually was a 1 when it right. hit North Carolina. So there's been on and off discussion over many years over whether the categorization of storms is really the best way to message to the public about it. My fellow environmental reporter, Bo Peterson, wrote about this within the past year. But the categories are only based on wind speeds, which makes sense in one respect, because the harder the winds, the more likely they are to sort of tear up homes and infrastructure. At the same time, hurricanes have other risks. So like flooding, that's what we're feeling here, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's it's important to point out, like most of the deaths caused by hurricanes actually are caused by flooding, by storm surge, not by the winds. So Right. So uh, that's that's really interesting because um, there's two types of flooding. So there's storm surge where the storm, especially the northern section of a hurricane, because of the way they rotate, will literally just shove the ocean into the shore. That's what storm surge is. But hurricanes also dump rain, right? So depending on how wet they are, how much rain they're holding, and how slowly they move, they can create you know, river flooding for weeks after the storm actually hits. Yeah, and and like famously in Texas with Hurricane Harvey, it just buried Houston underwater. Yeah, yeah. Harvey Harvey was a historic storm for a lot of reasons, but it was like the the National Weather Service had to create new colors on its like rainfall graph. Like that's how much storm Harvey dumped on Houston. I mean, people have described Florence as kind of having a similar situation where it's just like lingering over North Wilmington, right? So I think that, that's so fascinating to me that category one, when it makes landfall, yet, I mean, I think that anybody in Wilmington would say that that was a major hurricane, you know, from. Yeah, it was very deadly and it was very costly. And, you know, there were parts of the PD in Horry County, um, the county that includes Myrtle Beach, that were flooded for basically the entire month of September. So, OK, so they're predicting a, quote, average hurricane season. And we've talked about how qualifies as a major hurricane versus non-major. Can you talk a little bit about what makes this average and what the outlook um, in terms of the water temperatures and what El Nino is and (laughs) if it's affecting us? Yeah, there's a lot of really complicated components 
that make this forecast uncertain. So I just want to say that at the top, um, it's a very uncertain forecast at this point. So we'll see by the end of the year how it bears out. So hurricanes need a couple of different things to even form and um, hold themselves together as they're spinning across the ocean. They need warm water and favorable winds. So winds that aren't going to knock the storm apart when they encounter them, winds that are cohesive and moving in the same direction. That's really important. So we have a couple different weather phenomena going on right now. We have El Nino, which basically means that the waters in the Pacific are pretty warm and the winds over the Atlantic are very unstable, which makes it more difficult for hurricanes to form and stay formed. So El Nino is good for the East Coast? Sort of, yeah. <laughs> it's always complicated. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a weak El Nino. Yeah, so uh, to get a little bit more into the weeds of, of what El Nino actually is. So yeah, Chloe, as you said, it's specifically, it, it refers to the area of the Pacific Ocean kind of coming off of the West Coast of South America, right? And so ordinarily, that part of the world the ocean is actually pretty cold because the winds blow towards the west. And so they kind of push the warm surface water towards the west over towards Asia. And as a result, kind of the, the cold water from deep down under the ocean kind of comes up and, and makes that part of, a part of the world cooler than average. What, what happens in an El Nino is that becomes warm. And what that means is that the moisture is rising in that part of the world. And when, when air rises, you know, it has to eventually come back down and it's going to come down around that. And that means it's going to come down basically in the tropical region of the Atlantic Ocean. So because you've got like cold, dry air now coming down over the areas where hurricanes want to form, that's really bad for hurricanes. And that's yes. why we tend to see fewer hurricanes in El Nino years. Yes. Bad for hurricanes, but... In the Atlantic. In the Atlantic. As, as, in, as if hurricanes can't survive as easily, right? I it, mean, I mean good they, for they us. Need, you know, when we say bad, they, they need, right. Hurricanes good. basically... Like, hurricanes are, are actually pretty simple. They're, like, it's just... You get warm water, and the air rises. And because the Earth is spinning, the winds will tend to spin in that direction, you know, in that counterclockwise direction. But you've also got weather happening. You've got wind blowing all the time, but every now and then you just get the right circumstances all lined up together and then you get a hurricane and it, and it just like, it just kind of feeds on itself and makes itself stronger. And that's when you get like the hurricane um, as opposed to just a normal storm. Right. So El Nino is happening, but it is a relatively weak version of that. Right. So that would seem to portend good things for the Atlantic where we are, but it's it's a little bit weak. At the same time, there's some complicating things going on with ocean temperatures. So many storms, not all, actually start forming off the coast of Africa and they will move all the way across the Atlantic and affect, you know, the tropics and potentially us. We're slightly above the tropics here in South Carolina. The waters off of Africa are colder than we would expect them to be. So that would suggest less likely that storms are going to form out there where they might typically. Waters close to us here in the southeast are warmer than we might expect them to be. So if you're listening to this and you're confused about what it all means, you're not the only one. The Climate Prediction Center <laughs> says this is uncertain so because it is confusing. Yeah, I, the experts aren't lost, but they're acknowledging 
there's a lot of different factors and they don't know exactly which one is going to end up winning out. So Hurricane Florence, right? You know, that kind of brings me to this point of people getting upset when the media, which is us, we're nice, we promise. (laughs) Uh, But when the media overblows hurricanes or comes off as, we'll say like, this is a bad thing, this is coming, here's how to prepare. And then, you know, it doesn't end up being that bad, right? And it's a phenomenon I've seen, you know, especially with Florence um, in Charleston, because that was a situation where there was so much unpredictability around it that we didn't know if Florence was going to directly hit Charleston until it got pretty close to the end there. And there's, you know, the European model and right. um, the National Hurricane Center, which is one we go by. And then, you know, a lot of readers kind of calling us, quote, liars once, you know, at one point outlook was really bad for Charleston and then it changed. And right. I don't know, Emory, I know you wrote a story last year when this happened during Hurricane Florence about about the models and what they mean and what we do to try to best serve readers. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, that that's kind of a, a huge, big conversation. Um, you know, th- there a, a big part of this is that, like, social media has kind of changed the game in terms of, like, communicating to the public risks about, like, emergencies, about things like, like hurricanes that, that we see coming from maybe like a week away, but there's a lot of uncertainty about where exactly it's going to go. And that's really frustrating to people. Of course, people want to protect their lives and their property. They want to know, you know, what's going to happen. But they also, from the reader's perspective, it's it's reasonable that I think people get frustrated. We, we've seen now, like the last couple of years, we've had these these big scares and then they've turned out to be nothing. People have like evacuated. You know, they've they've taken time off work. They've spent time and money on leaving the city, all for it to be basically nothing. So, I mean, it's it's understandable that people find that really frustrating, and, and we all want to avoid that, right? I mean, from the, from the state to the media, nobody wants to, like, freak everybody out and have there be a panic over nothing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the challenging thing just, you know, with social media, as you said, and just there are a lot of different components of forecasting that people can see separately now, right? They can look up different models for how these storms might move. That's something I see people do right. a lot when when these storms are approaching. But, you know, part of the reason we focus so heavily on the National Hurricane Center's projections is because the Hurricane Center, when a storm is coming and it seems that there are many different signals about what it's going to do or where it's going to go, Um, The Hurricane Center is very good at taking all of these different models and suggestions of tracks and looking at what their weaknesses are and what their strengths are and boiling that down into that, you know, kind of goofy looking graphic, right? Like the big cone that everyone's watching really closely, Um, which, again, you know, doesn't have a perfect line like a model track might But, you know, uh, frankly, although there was a lot of confusion with Florence and the, as I recall, the most challenging thing was we thought it might be like a cat four when it landed. Like it was a category four storm, not terribly long before actually hitting the shore. Right. And as we've already discussed, it was much less intense when it made landfall in North Carolina. Um, But nobody knew that a few days out. What actually did turn out being very good 
was the five day out forecast by the National Hurricane Center. Right. Um, it followed that track really closely. And, you know, you're right, Emery, there was a point, and Brooks, I think you said this too, when we thought, is this thing going to ping pong down and smash Charleston? We thought it was possible. Right. And, and it well, did. Yeah, and so- it was the European model, which, like, yeah. I mean, as a journalistic organization, we're always going to rely on the National Hurricane Center, but we can't dismiss that the European model's out there. Right. And- Right. You know, well, so that I was, was still looking at it until four a.m. when it yeah. still had Florence coming to well, Charleston. Every, everybody is. Everybody <laughs> right. is. So this is this is basically the crux of the story that I wrote, though, is that all things considered, the best, most reliable forecast that you can look at is that National Hurricane Center forecast. The reason why it is the best is because it is based on all the available information. That is what the National Hurricane Center does. They are experts at this. They take all of the available information, synthesize it into a summary, and that is consistently, and it's the data bears it out, that is the most reliable and most accurate forecast. That being said, it is frustrating to people because they want to know what's going to happen. The, these models, you can you can go online now and like look at them, and they look really, really impressive, right? They, they are so precise. They give you like an exact scenario, but it's definitely not going to happen, okay? <laughs> that is definitely not... What that is going scenario, to happen? Right? That is that yeah. is a computer's best guess of what could happen. That is used to make forecasts. That exact scenario is never going to happen. The the problem is though, I think people mistake the precision that that offers with accuracy, and that's not well. Everyone's the case. I mean, you know, I think people people work hard to make the best decisions for themselves and their family, but they can get caught up in thinking they're the smartest person in the room, which isn't to say. You know that they're not smart, but you don't know how to interpret these models and all this information if you don't have, you know, a degree in meteorology, for example. I mean, it's it's such a good point. Yeah, it's really challenging. You know, not to get us too off track from you know predicting this this season, but I wanted to bring this up because Chloe's been saying that there's a lot of uncertainty going into this season right now, and it's that same uncertainty that we always need to be aware of when the storm's coming. And, you know, we're trying to predict what's going to happen in the next few months, but we really don't know, especially this far off. Yes, every every storm behaves a little bit differently. And I, I'm kind of guessing that many of our listeners in South Carolina might expect that we're going to have a storm in September or October, right? We've had four storms affect the state in four years in different ways. Um, but, you know, there's no certainty that even that is going to happen. You know, we might have a really lucky year and um, not have a serious event. I certainly hope so for everyone's oh, sake. Oh, yeah, fingers crossed. I don't know. I always, I mean, and that's, you know, something I wanted to talk about a little bit is I kind of have this expectation now that there's going to be one per year. I mean, there's also the possibility that we could be extremely unlucky and get two, right? I mean, is that... That's happened. Yeah, that has oh, yeah, happened yeah, yeah. before. I mean, right? we're, we're talking about averages here. There's, you know, in this, in the same way that, like, you know, if you flip a coin 10 times, you would expect to get five heads and five tails, but there is nothing that is preventing you from getting 10 heads, yes. you know? right. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, we could... You get 10 hurricanes that hit directly on Charleston. That is possible. Incredibly unlikely, I think there's been a lot of like almost big scares and there's been a lot of evacuations. And I noticed that with Florence, you know, we had a mandatory evacuation off the coast by Governor McMaster and a lot of people didn't leave. We wrote a story about all these people partying on Sullivan's Island, which is a barrier island, which if Florence had come closer to Charleston, could have gotten really screwed. And these people could have 
not had access to to hospitals and stuff because there's yeah. one bridge or two yeah. bridges, I Yeah, I mean, that that is absolutely the last place you want to be. Right. If a storm is coming, you know, the governor was um, kind of extra protective last year. And even at one point, he lifted the evacuation order um, for the southernmost part of the coast before the storm came because it was clear enough to him at least. But a lot of people had already left too. And I think yeah. that Sullivan's residence, um, which I have some family there, high family, um, who stayed, which, you know, I argued with my family trying to get them to leave. They didn't leave. And then nothing happened. So now I'm worried like, okay, this year, are they right, well, how seriously right. I mean, will they take the yeah. order? I think, it, I think it illustrates perfectly like the challenge of communicating here because we've seen now duds, like three duds in a row. And yeah, that that's going to have impacts on how people judge risks going into the future. I mean, you know, maybe we'll have a, a, a situation where it's like really certain and people will take that really seriously. But, you know, we're, we're dealing with really uncertain things and people are going to look to like the past three, three or four times that, that they were, you know, worried about something and then it turned out to really be nothing and think, well, you know, how seriously do I need to, to take this? Yeah, I mean, forward. I just I just want to be clear, you know, Charleston, I think in particular, has kind of seen duds from these storms. Right, not oh, yeah, other yeah, places. The, the storms yeah. have definitely not been duds. Yes. No, and, yeah. and even this is the wild thing about a hurricane is the closer you are to the eye, the worse it is, right? So um, you can have a hurricane that feels like a bad thunderstorm, which is frankly kind of how Hurricane Florence felt to me in Myrtle Beach last year because I was in Myrtle Beach as the storm hit. Um, or you can have a hurricane that is, you know, what we're used to seeing on TV with massive destruction but um, you know one one thing i do want to want to highlight here though we were talking earlier about the fact that the, the category thing might not or might be a little bit deceptive might give people kind of uh, a false sense of security because so hurricane matthew right in 2016 when it hit that was a category one storm it was. but it generated the third highest storm surge in Charleston and at the or time, in, in recorded Charleston I mean, history. At the time, it was the second. And it wasn't until Irma the next year, which was a tropical storm, right. that generates the second. And and as I said earlier, you know, the, the thing to keep in mind is that it is not the wind that kills most people. It is that storm surge mm-hmm. that kills most people. Yes. So so that that's kind of the, the nightmare scenario is you think if a weak storm like that can hit at just the right time and cause a, a storm surge that is like comparable in the same like order of magnitude as like Hurricane Hugo's storm surge. That's really worrying. Yeah. Because because what would what would a worse storm do? I mean you, know? you look at twenty fifteen, the thousand year flood, like we were not preparing at all for Hurricane Joaquin because it was tracking far off the Atlantic coast. It mixed with another tropical low and caused massive flooding in Columbia and Charleston. Yeah. I think Joaquin was even a tropical storm by the time that happened. And that's a different type of flooding, right? That's freshwater right. rainfall flooding. And um, while storm surge is extremely dangerous, mm-hmm. um, because we do have this method of evacuating people from the coast, actually, statistically, freshwater flooding and riverine flooding um, claims more lives. Yeah. Isn't that kind of what we does. saw in, in Nichols from Florence or in the PD region? Yeah, there there were there were deaths in the PD region as a re- result of some of that river flooding. You know, one of the most dangerous things is um, it's not a clear line like the coast where you can say it's going to be affected. It you know these these rivers behave sort of differently depending on every storm. It's not as reliable to predict, and it's really hard even if you're downstream of a flooded river to tell how badly you're going to be flooded. 
um, there were some sort of preliminary um, projections on river flooding last year that were released after Florence that suggested, um, and they were released by the Department of Natural Resources here in South Carolina, and they suggested that the city of Georgetown was just going to be under 10 feet of water. Um, and that didn't really happen at yeah, I all. I remember that because we kept waiting for that to happen. And <laughs> we then... kept waiting for Georgetown to flood, yeah. and Georgetown flooded a little bit, um, but not very much. It's it's really challenging to sort of predict how that freshwater flooding is going to work and get people out of the way. So, yeah, we've got the freshwater flooding, then we also have the storm surge, which, you know, as Emery was pointing out, we saw with Hurricane Matthew in 2016, the... the um, you know, getting close to Hurricane Hugo level. And then with Irma, which was at that point, we, it was a um, tropical storm. I passed 200 miles from Charleston. It was just from the the bends of Irma that we got um, even worse tidal surge from Irma than Matthew and the the second most since Hugo. It uh, generated a nearly 10 foot tide. So I think that with, Kind of both those things in mind, the freshwater flooding and the storm surge, I think that kind of the best way to prepare this year is to prepare for flooding, right? <laughs> if anything else, I mean, I think that there is, I feel like the, there's a possibility of some sort of storm, whether it's way off the coast or a tropical storm bend, creating a flooding situation in South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I, mean that- I think the wisest thing to do is heed an evacuation order if you get one. It's inconvenient. No one loves having to take off work or try and shore up their house before they leave town. But that is absolutely the safest thing to do. If you're in an area by a river that's flooded before, um, your local forecaster will probably talk about the chances of that river flooding. And you should keep an eye on it and also have a plan, you know, to move if need be. And that would that would be my best advice, but we don't we don't exactly you know again it's so unpredictable and I we know. don't know. And you yeah. know, I I think I would encourage listeners to you know even if last year or the year before that you evacuated and nothing happened, don't don't let that prevent you from being safe and preparing this year. Yeah, I mean the you know? reality is emergency folks aren't crying wolf when they tell right. you to evacuate. They're trying to make sure you stay. And safe. neither is the media, you know. Yeah. Neither are we. Like we're not getting clicks actually does not get us money, believe it or not. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> sorry, I run our social media account, so I just wanted to emphasize that with everyone. But um if we're saying this stuff, um if we're putting out stories that Officials are calling for evacuations or saying that this is going to happen. We mean it. You know, we mean that you need to be prepared. Now, we're not telling the future because we can't, but you need to take it seriously. Apologies, guys. I uh, I have a whole thing there. <laughs> um, but uh, well, so so I guess I guess what I want to move on to is. Um, Okay, it it kind of feels intuitively like maybe hurricanes are getting worse or it just I mean, definitely, at least for us here, just having experienced, you know, re-evacuations recently. And, you know, there's there's a lot of discussion about climate change and about how it's going to impact weather patterns like hurricanes. Do we know what what's going on here? Like, is it worse or what? Okay. (laughs) So um, that's a complicated question, like a lot of questions today. Love to ask complicated questions. love to ask complicated questions. So we know with various degrees of certainty how a lot of the different hurricane ingredients are going to change. That's the simple answer. 
I, I am using information from the fourth National Climate Assessment, which is a huge compilation of our understanding of climate change, okay? Um, climate change being the fact that the air and the water are getting hotter over time um, because we're constantly spitting gas into the air that is insulating the earth. So that's what I, mm-hmm. that's what I mean when I say climate change. We used to call it global warming. It's all kind of the right. same. Right, and, and again, like to be super specific, we mean on average. That doesn't yes. mean that like everywhere it's always hotter all yes. the time. So if you have a cold day in <laughs> yeah. May – that doesn't mean that climate change yeah. isn't happening because weather is day-to-day and climate is a much longer time period. Anyway, so um, the fourth National Climate Assessment, um, the first volume of which came out in 2017, is a pretty good roundup of our understanding of what's going to happen. Um, so the first thing that's clearest is that as the air is getting warmer on average, warm air can hold more water. Right. In Charleston, we know this. We've had many, you know, 95, 100 degree days with 90 percent humidity. Um, Warm air is really good at holding water. So that means that if on average the air is going to be warmer in the future, these storms can hold a lot more water and they can have these very intense sort of soaking effects like Hurricane Harvey, which we talked about um, and Hurricane Florence. I actually have some really Interesting information on Harvey. There was kind of a study done after it soaked Galveston and Houston and that whole area of coastal Texas. You know, what what this study suggested looking at the rain that came and the conditions that were present and our past understanding of how likely a huge rain like that was. By the end of the 20th century, rainfall in excess of 500 millimeters or about 20 inches Um, was something you would expect to happen once in every 2,000 years. By the end of this century, by the end of the 21st century, that is something you might expect to happen every 100 years, right? You might expect 20 inches of rain in that region of Texas every 100 years statistically, Um, which still seems like a long time horizon. But what that means is that likelihood became 20 times more likely. That's just an example. So climate change means more rainfall. Generally. Gen- uh, generally well, it, I mean, not, like again, again, not. Encourage climate, climate change. It encourage climates for. Climate change for? means it's possible for these insane rainfall right. events to happen. It, totally unrelated from hurricanes. Right. People also expect that we're going to see long periods of drought, too. So really, we're going to be whipsawing back and forth between extreme right. situations of Really intense rain and potentially also intense drought. So my question was, so, okay, if there's potential climate situation to make rainfall more favorable in certain situations, is that the best way to put it? You know, uh, how does the storm surge play into that? Well, well? so So it's different because it's not rainfall that's coming. uh, uh, Yeah, so I I think um, one of the things that one of the ingredients that we know we have a pretty high degree of, of certainty will increase is sea level, right? Yes, absolutely. So that will make storm surges potentially worse, right? Yeah, if, if the if the sea is higher to start with, yes, <laughs> and everything else is kind of in the same place that it was, um, yeah, I mean, this, the surge is going to get higher and be and, potentially more destructive. And rather it's because of climate change or not, I mean, as we as we talked about earlier, we've seen worse um, storm surges in recent storms. Right. Well, I mean, and just think here in Charleston, how many days now 
and and this this we know for sure is that um, like days where we have nuisance flooding, like tidal flooding, just like uh, in low lying areas, it's increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like think about that. If if the basic level of like the tide out in the in the harbor is like a foot higher than it was in Hugo and the same storm surge happens, then it's a foot higher. And that means it affects way more people. That's absolutely true. At the same time, you know, it depends when these storms hit. Do they arrive at high tide? Do they arrive at low tide? Oh, yeah. I remember that was a huge factor for, like, Irma because it came at high tide. It came at high tide, which is one of the reasons the surge was was pretty serious. So that's its own little variable. But, um, yeah, rising seas are a problem for a lot of different reasons, but storm surge is also... It's one of the many reasons that it's an issue that the water is like slowly coming up to, to mm-hmm. swallow us. Now, I think the those are the things that I think we can say kind of with a, maybe like a medium degree of, of certainty. Like the 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 higher rainfall, well, folks yeah, are pretty yeah, sure that about we're pretty. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so yeah. or I guess I guess maybe maybe I'm I'm couch, or being a little couching it a little bit too much. Um, so I, basically, I would say like those two effects I think are pretty reasonable. Where things start to get a little bit more uncertain would be, I think, when it comes to predicting frequency, that is the number of storms and the intensity of storms. So do you want to talk about those? Absolutely. So there's a little bit of discussion back and forth on whether we will have relatively pretty much the same amount of storms that we do now or whether we will have more. From my understanding of the scientific literature... The general consensus is that we'll probably have about the same number of storms, but that's something that scientists are still kind of hashing out. There's a little more confidence in terms of the intensity. So scientists do think that we are more likely to get more storms that are major hurricanes, right? So um, category three and above. It's also something that is still being studied. It's not 100% certain, but they're a little bit more confident about, definitely more confident about that. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, so basically it seems like we're pretty confident in a couple of things. Like, we're pretty confident that the overall atmosphere will get warmer, and we're pretty confident that in the Atlantic Ocean, the sea surface temperature will get warmer. Yes. Those are two of the, we, we mentioned earlier, like, hurricanes require a lot of ingredients, and and it requires them all to, like, happen at the same time. Yes. So those are two of the main ingredients. And so just from that, you would, that would tend to make hurricane formation more favorable and it would tend to make hurricanes stronger. Now, one of the the things though that we're also maybe not quite as sure about, but it seems like based on on modeling that's been done that this thing called wind shear, which is basically like how kind of chaotic is the atmosphere and that that is one of the things that is bad for hurricanes. They they need to be really structured, right? They need to to spin in that like pattern. And if there's this thing wind shear, that that's kind of bad for hurricanes. And it seems like global warming climate change might increase wind shear. So that's why the, the discussion on wind shear um we're mad in the weeds right yeah. now. Yeah, I'm like, I'm hella confused. <laughs> well, so so if you think about, like, if you were going to cut a hurricane in half and look at it, it's basically a cylinder that's rotating, right? All the way to the top of the atmosphere, all the way down to the bottom of the ocean. Um, so wind shear is when winds in the atmosphere are moving in different directions or at different speeds. So if you have wind that's 
shoving itself at the top of the hurricane, but not at the bottom of the hurricane, right? That cylinder right. is going to collapse. It's not going to be stable. That's why we care about wind shear and look at it. And that's why it can destabilize these storms. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of sort of work being done on the right. state of wind shear. But um, there is one study that's super recent. We're recording in May. The study came out in May of this year um, about wind shear. So the southeast, it has been found, has kind of a natural buffer against really intense storms in certain periods. So there are, there are multi-decade periods when the Atlantic is is warmer with weaker winds and we will expect more hurricanes. And there are multi-decade periods in which it is colder with harsher winds and we would expect fewer in the tropics of the Atlantic at least. So right now we're in one of the more active periods. This is called the Atlantic multi-decadal oscillation. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm nerding all over the place. I'm really sorry. But um, so we're in an active period right now, you know, over the course of many decades. Um, but in those active periods, we kind of have this natural barrier and it's centered right over the southeast, like right over South Carolina of strong wind shear that just happens. Which basically is strong. Let me just make sure this is clear because I don't want our listeners right. to get lost. So strong wind shear means that hurricanes are less likely to thrive. Right. Yes. It, it, it basically is this buffer that protects us from a really intense storm along the coast. So that's one element. So wind shear is one element of climate change that is unfavorable so, for hurricanes. So anyway, so we have this natural barrier of wind shear there right now. Um, but really recent work has sort of suggested that as things get warmer, that barrier might go away. Yeah. Ah. So that would make it more likely that an intense storm could make landfall in South Carolina. Um, it, you know, it's it's unclear it, to what extent with a lot of this stuff. It's unclear to what extent. But that is something that scientists are kind of continuing to study mm -hmm. and keeping an eye on. Let me let me try to just like summarize this all then in like a, a couple of sentences so that people aren't super confused. Basically, we're pretty sure climate change is gonna affect hurricanes. Exactly how it's they're gonna affect hurricanes, we're not sure. It is probably bad in terms of making hurricanes worse. Probably, um, yes. Probably. Yeah. That all being said, hurricanes are rare things. We're definitely not going to know for sure until long after the fact. Like, it'll yeah. probably be decades before scientists are like, yes, for sure, this is what did right. happen. There, there so, are some people who do studies now after yeah. storms that sort of say, you know, because of the sea level or because of whatever. Right. We do think climate change made this worse, but you're right. You know, it, it this is the kind of thing that takes years to fully quantify. It is important though to look at those factors though you know know about how climate change can make rainfall more likely or heavier during a hurricane yes know that storm surge rising sea levels that's a thing that comes worse with hurricanes and that this is my first time hearing about wind shear but mm -hmm. the wind shear is another factor right mm -hmm. i don't know i guess kind of the big takeaway for listeners is that there are just that our climate is changing just right it's going to impact these storms in some ways. It's making them more unpredictable. Yes, that that's I think that's a that's, that's probably that, the best yeah, that, takeaway. That's, that's definitely true. It's become they're becoming more difficult to predict. So uh, I wanted to end the show by letting listeners know about a new newsletter 
that we are launching just for hurricane season. So we're experimenting with a pop-up newsletter. Uh, Chloe here, uh, along with Bo Peterson, are going to be writing it. So it's going to be a weekly newsletter that will run from June through November, just through hurricane season. And they're going to provide all the information about what's brewing in the Atlantic, other tidbits and um, context to know going through hurricane season. Uh, Emery here, along with our data producer, Brian Brousset, are creating some really cool visualizations and graphics um, to go with the newsletter. Uh, so if that's something you'd be interested in signing up for, um, we'll also be sending uh, breaking news alerts about storms with the newsletter. Uh, it's called Hurricane Wire, um, and you can find out inf- more information at postandcourier.com slash Hurricane Wire. All right, Chloe. So in addition to people subscribing to that newsletter, how else do you want to let people know how else they can follow you and your stories? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you should go to postandcourier.com. I've got stories there all the time. But uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at underscore Chloe A.J., um, my email and phone number at the bottom of every single story that I write as well. And I love to hear from listeners and readers. So feel free to reach out. Great. All right. uh, Chloe, do you feel like you understand South Carolina better? I think I do. Brooks, how about you? Yeah, actually, um, having, you know, uh, covered the last couple storm, it was here for Matthew and Irma and Florence. I keep thinking that I have an understanding of this stuff, but Chloe really... Um, and Emory really opened my eyes that I will never have a handle on this. <laughs> uh, Emory, how about you? Definitely. My my experience is covering this, these storms has given me a great insight into how people in the state um, treat them. So, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully everybody... When the when the big one does happen, and it'll happen someday. Ooh, don't, someday don't make it come any sooner, dude. Don't. I mean... Nobody's nobody's hoping for it, but hopefully when that day does come, everyone will take it seriously. And, you know, if um, you're listening out there and you have any questions or story ideas for um, our new Hurricane Wire newsletter or things that you would like to see from the Post and Courier going into hurricane season, um, feel free to just email this podcast, understandsc at postandcourier.com with any questions or story ideas. We'd love to hear from you. All right, and that's all. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier in Charleston. Our theme song is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music by searching for Billy, that's with an I-E, Fountain, on Spotify. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. You can get in touch with us by emailing understandsc at postandcourier.com, or, of course, you can tweet at us with any questions or comments. And if you're a fan of the show, please take a second to like us and leave a rating on the Apple Podcast Store. See y'all later. See y'all later.